Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today, I am going to be speaking with confidence and empowerment coach, the founder of The Joy Junkie, Amy Smith, about how to stop the cycle of people-pleasing. I don't know anybody who's a people-pleaser, <laughs> um, but I know that uh, this is a topic that is so important for all of us. Pretty much every single woman who comes to see me is a people-pleaser or a reforming people-pleaser. I certainly am, and I know the, the dangers of people-pleasing, and one of the main reasons that it is so toxic to us is because we give up parts of ourselves to make other people happy. And part of this journey to finding love is really on knowing what makes you happy. Because when you come from that place of internal joy, it radiates out into the world and you become magnetic to the right partner. Um, I just I just got finished Sunday, giving a workshop with this amazing woman, Saida Desolet. She is a, a sensuality, sexuality expert. And I reached out to her after she was on Last First Date Radio. So if you look up her segment um, with us, uh, I'll, put a, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I just love how she empowers women through sensuality and sexuality and reconnecting to our feminine and we did a workshop for highly successful women who have success in all areas of life but their love life. And it was so powerful. It was a, it was a full day event, um, six hours. And boy, we went deep um, and it was, it was delicious. So I'm excited. I'll be posting the, the replay as an evergreen product on my website soon. So look for that. And my whole thing is that I want you all to become women of value. A woman of value knows how to speak up, show up, stand up for the things that are important to her. And every week I bring a tip on how to be a woman of value. And this week's tip is let go of toxic people, which is pretty tied into the people-pleasing theme. Um, We need to really stop letting toxic people into our lives And for every one of you, toxic is going to be a little different. There are some basic toxic guidelines, but somebody who's toxic to you is is just taking all your energy. They are um, taking and not giving. They are abusing you in some way. Uh, They're unkind, um, ungrateful. There's no room in life for that. So let go of that crap, really, enough. Um, so before I bring Amy on, I just wanted to give a shout out to my private Facebook group, Your Last First Date. It's a, an amazing group, I have to say, even though it's mine. I'm going to pat myself on the back because we have grown this group to about 2,500 women. And unlike a lot of groups that have single women in them, there is no cattiness allowed. There is no bitchiness allowed. This is a kind, supportive group. And I would love for you to join us if you are single and over 40. So if you want a positive, supportive group that um, that you can feel safe in, come to your last first date. All right. So 
Episode 314, How to Break the Cycle of People-Pleasing with Amy Smith. Let me tell you a little bit about Amy. She is a certified confidence coach. She's a masterful speaker and personal empowerment expert. She's the founder of The Joy Junkie, and she uses her role as a coach, a writer, a podcaster, and speaker to move people to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-love. I love that. I love the word radical. Um, she helps people find their voice, ooh, like me, and she's highly sought after for her uncommon style of reverence, wisdom, and humor, and she was featured on Fox 5 San Diego and YourTango.com. So welcome to the show, Amy. Yay, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to connect I'm, with you. Yeah, so great to connect with you. I, I just felt... Um, when you reached out and your team reached out to have you on the show and I checked you out, I was like, oh, yes, have to have this woman. She <laughs> speaks my language. So um, let's first talk about you because I always like to hear somebody's story of why they do what they do. So what inspired you to become like so immersed in confidence and personal empowerment? What's your story? Yeah, you know, I think that really kind of came to a head when my father passed away, actually, in 07. And I had grown up, to give you a little context, in a very, very dogmatic, uh, born-again Christian family that was, uh, in retrospect, now that I've unpacked a lot of stuff around that, that there were a lot of kind of cultish elements and a lot of motivation from guilt and fear And, you know, one of the things that my mom and I have had in opposition, you know, since my father's passing was that we, you know, I'm very open that I no longer subscribe to the religion from which I was raised, which for so many people, like, oh, you don't, you don't tell your parents that. (laughs) Like, you just kind of bow your head and you pray and you just do the shit you're supposed to do. And I did that for so many years. And the day of my father's funeral, I had actually performed mortuary makeup on his deceased body because I have a, a background in makeup artistry. So oh. I did, did makeup on him for his viewing and spoke to a crowd of about two to 300 people, you know, for his eulogy. Had a very taxing day, as you can imagine. And so my mom finds it the very perfect opportunity to tell me that she feels that because both my brothers and myself are not kind of, quote, walking with the Lord or, you know, subscribing to the faith that we grew up in, uh, that she feels like she failed as a parent, you know. And so she tells mm. me this that day. It just it just feels like we failed. And I was kind of like, okay. And so the only thing I could kind of muster at the time is I said, uh, you probably should not say that to a child. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, that's kind of all I could kind of muster at the time. And, you know, in my mind, I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm the kid who has been working since I was 14. I got married when I was 20, and I put myself through college, and I've been on my own and completely independent and just did my dead father's makeup. And, you know, (laughs) and and I'm, so I'm a failure. Let me just get this straight. And so what I realized at that moment, Sandy, was that there was kind of this choice, right? Like it was either I choose to make her happy at a severe cost to me, as in I would have to be incredibly inauthentic, I would have to profess to believe in something that was incredibly counterintuitive, 
in order to satisfy her. Now, I don't think a majority of our situations are that dire, right? But I do think uh-huh. that there are some. Like, the, the, do I go on the second date if this is a total hell no? Like, no, you don't keep going for potential. You really listen to yourself about does this feel like a good expenditure of my time? And if it's a total hell no, you don't say yes just so that you make that person happy, right? Like that doesn't, it's not working. But we do have these few isolated situations, I think, could potentially be for people who are either coming out of the closet or maybe asking for a divorce, if any of you guys have been there. Uh, uh-huh. where you have to choose. You know, sometimes when you go through a divorce, that person doesn't want it. The other person doesn't want it. And so we go, I'm hurting something. I'm inflicting pain on someone. Who am I to do that? Instead of owning that what you're actually doing is you're saying, oh, I get it. In this scenario, if it comes down to I either choose you or I choose me, I choose me. And that Mm -hmm. was the scenario for me that I kind of went, there are those ultimatum times and I'm going to choose me. And if that means that I have a mother who will forever be disappointed in me, then that's okay. Like, I'm going to allow that burden to be hers. And that took me a shit ton of time to be at peace with that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I totally hear you on that. That was the impetus for me. Mm. Yeah, that that parent-child thing, oh, my God, that's so insidious, and it's so deep, and... (laughs) Especially if you grow up with religion. I grew up in a in a very religious home as well. And pretty much all my siblings have left it, except one, um, have left it to mm-hmm. a large degree. And I think if you're a thinking person, if you really are a person who's evolving and thinking for yourself and you're not sheep, you're mm-hmm. going to come to your own conclusions. And I remember when, because I raised my kids religious, that was important to me at the time. And when my son called me up from his program, he went away on a year program, his gap year, to a very religious boys' school. And mm-hmm. he called me up almost immediately upon arrival and said, I think Judaism is a cult and I don't believe in God. Mm. And I said, mm. okay, when did you figure this out? Because you're now in Israel in mm. a very religious Jewish school. So, like, um, I get it ask some questions, explore it. But like, wow, it was just like popped on me. And it started, like he ended up coming home after a few months and um, he was into atheism and into agnosticism and, and he was mad at me and he was screaming at me. And I said, you know, I don't, I want to be different than my parents were because I want to be open. I want to be, I mean, my mother was more open than my father, but, but I want to really have a conversation with him and hear him and honor and respect his choice. Because, and I said that to him. I said, I will have this conversation with you as long as you're respectful. If you're yeah. attacking me, I'm walking out of the room. And mm-hmm. that started like a five-year conversation. And wow. it, it's been amazing. So I totally hear you. I know this is a, a tough thing for a lot of people, but it's it's so important as a parent, if any parents are listening, to honor your children's choices, it's, it's not, we don't win prizes for having them be our clones and follow mm-hmm. our path. Our path is our path. You know, you raise a child and they get to choose. That's right. 
Yeah. That's absolutely right. You mm-hmm. know, and to your, I can really, really relate to your son's response because they're, and this has also informed my work quite a bit too, is at the, at the beginning of that time period when I kind of went, oh, I can stand on my own two feet. I became extremely combative, similar to what uh-huh. what your son is feeling. You know, I was angry. I felt lied to, and I wanted to fight. You know, I wanted yeah. to talk about all, you know, the gun control and the abortion, all the things that we are on the opposite sides of. And uh-huh. it wasn't until many years later that I realized you can be assertive. You can ask for a divorce. You can ask an adult child to move out of the house. You can sever business alliances. You can have the most polarizing, tough conversations, and you can do so with grace and kindness. You don't have to be malicious, right? I think you embodied that so beautifully with your son. Like, yeah. That took a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. But that, what, what you're describing and what he went through and you went through is a very typical um, arc of going from feeling suppressed and feeling out of touch with who you are and out of alignment to, like, I'm angry now. So a lot of women who speak up, and like with this whole Me Too movement, a lot of women found their voice, but they didn't have the words or the way to talk about it in a way that stayed connected. It was too full of rage. And so I saw that a lot. I saw that we have a need to teach people how to communicate more effectively, how to set those boundaries with grace. Uh, I mean, you and I seem to have a lot of the same um, objectives Mm -hmm. and missions here. But I think it, it also comes from having been through that, having felt silenced, having felt that your voice was taken away. Um, but to come back full circle and to say, okay, I'm confident enough in who I am. I don't need to do this with anger. I can, I can have grace. I can have a sense of centeredness. Mm-hmm. So, so talk right. about the steps Absolutely. that you went through to get there. Because, you know, we'll get to the people-pleasing mm-hmm. thing because that's, that's part of this whole thing is that we people-please yeah. because we don't know how to take care of our own needs. But, yeah, so, mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about what your kind of your steps that you went through to get to that place of more centeredness and calmer. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because the, the point that I went through about 11 years ago when my father passed, that was when I decided silence no more, right? Up until that time, there had been a good, I don't know, five to ten years where I was very much a different person than what I let on in front of my parents, right? So I Uh think that that's one of the things that we do a lot is we kind of put a facade on. I see a lot of people do it in business. Like, oh, here's what Uh a professional is supposed to look like. That's right from the beginning of my practice. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to be in the same annual practice that I am in business, that I am with my best friend. That's why I like coaching (laughs) because it's the whole thing Uh to be authentic, right? And uh, so what I realized is that there was this real distinction between understanding what I am responsible for and what I have zero control over. And I have zero control over how I am received. And so and a, a dating equivalent of this would be uh, doing everything in your power to get a specific response from somebody. You know, I mean, uh-huh. the classic way we do it, like the classic 
female stereotype is to be like, what do you think of this outfit? Do you think I look fat in this? And what you're looking for <laughs> is for them to say a very specific no. thing, right? <laughs> and it's a trap. It's a trap, everybody. Men, it's a trap. Um, and so, but what we're doing is we're all, and we do it when we try to tell somebody what we're into and hoping that they're going to be excited for us. And then we get combative if they're not. And, because we think that through our own behavior, we can make people feel and see and do things, and we really cannot. So there's kind of a governing principle that I operate from in my business and in the work that I do with clients, and it really informed that chapter of my life. And it was this idea that you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. Mm. That your reception, how you are received, is going to be all across the board, but your intention is kind of the only thing that you can control. It's your homeostasis. It's your barometer, but we don't do that, do we? We go, well, as long as those people think I'm lovable or as long as my you know, ex-in-laws don't hate me or as long as I get this new client or as long as whatever, all these external praises and validation, then I must uh-huh. be valuable. Then I must be a worthy human. And then we are so tied to that reception. So if you are your worthiness or your lovableness on if some dude or woman texts you back or thinks that you're gorgeous, you put a shit ton of power into somebody else's hands. It doesn't Uh mean that you can't enjoy those niceties or that you can't relish the gift of adoration or compliments. But what you are doing is you're saying that does not define my worthiness. And that's where we get really convoluted. Because when somebody doesn't approve of you or is critical of you or dumps you, it hurts. It's an uncomfortable feeling. So a lot of times we collapse that uncomfortable feeling with a conclusion about our worth. Like, oh, well, if he doesn't love me or if she does not love me, then I must be unlovable instead of that just sucks and hurts and just allow ourselves to feel the pain and not have to make it conclusive about our character or our worth as a human. So for myself, I saw this, I did a, um, I did sort of a politically uh, motivated podcast at the, at the time of the uh, 2016 election and it was a lot about what, what we're talking about today, that you could be on any side, you could have extreme views about things, and you could deliver them in a communication style that's graceful and kind and articulate and not uh, defaming another group of people. So it was a very positive message, right? Mm-hmm. And I really framed up my intention. What am I intending to present here? And it was really one of fostering kindness amongst all of us when we're divided, Right. And the reception was all across the board. I had some people who were like, thank God, thank you so much for doing this. I had no idea how I was going to navigate the holidays. Um, <laughs> you know, family was on different sides uh-huh. as well. I had some people who were like, I can't believe you did this podcast. You lost a listener. And I'm like, well, did you listen? They, they didn't listen to the, even listen to the episode. And I kind right. of went, all right, okay, you know, be well on your way. You know, I'm also going to embody that grace and kindness, even to people who don't 
give it to me. And then there were other people who were totally indifferent, like, what? Oh, I didn't even care. I don't even pay attention to politics, blah, blah, blah. So if I would have gone, oh, my God, I need to gain favor of all of these different people, not only is that damn near impossible, but it feels like shit. It sucks Uh to try to get somebody to feel something or believe something. So what did I do? I went back to my intention, and I went, okay, I'm getting reception all across the board. Let's check in with what Amy's intent was. I listened back to my episode. Am I proud of how I conveyed myself? Am I proud of how I handled myself? Yes, I am. And so then I was able to kind of release that criticism and go, okay, you know what? That hurt. It stung. It will always sting. It's legitimate negative energy coming your way. Like, of course, you're going to feel it. But it does not have to mean you're not valuable, not worthy of love. It's just merely like, like an injury, right? Like, it's like you got a cut. You need to put a Band-Aid on. You need to heal. And then you move on. It does not mean you now are immobile or your body doesn't work anymore, right? It's like you just got a cut, honey, and it hurts. It's all right. Yeah. And it, and it, thank you for sharing that story because I, I, as a public figure, I have had many, many times I've received the same kind of feedback. And you, mm-hmm. you do learn to develop a tougher skin. You learn to understand that there are wounded people out there who just, they don't even read or listen. They just want to share their opinions and they're, 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 there's vitriol that comes out. And sure. it's not about us. It's about them. And the same thing with dating. I mean, I think that so many people get upset when they don't get the response they want. And this is this gets talked about all the time on my show. And um, yesterday there was a woman who didn't hear back from a man after her first date. And it had only been like three days, three days since the date. And she's like freaking out. She's like, oh, my God, it's so painful. It's so painful. This is ridiculous. I'm a grown woman. Why do I care? I'm like, stop mm-hmm. trying to control the outcome of this thing. Did you show up and be the best you could on the date? Did you give this guy a green light and let him know you're interested? Like, well, there's so much we can do on the date to make it memorable. Then you you got to right. let go. You just got to let go right. of the outcome. And and it turned out that he called her and he told her her life was too complicated for him. And she was like, well, that sucks. And I'm like, well, that's a gift. You don't want a man who right. thinks your life is complicated. Like, that's not your guy. So we have to see the gift in this, too. It's like, you know, there was a gift in, in people saying, I don't like what you said. You know, just as much as yeah. there's a gift in somebody saying, thank you for saying what I couldn't say. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think it's lovely that you did that. But I know people who have posted things about let's all be friends on both sides of the um of the, po- of the political table, and people are like, I don't want to be your friend anymore because how could you possibly be friends if you're this person? And I'm like, mm, right, okay, right. we don't need those people. Right. Yeah, so stop trying to please them all. You have to really be true to you. And the more true you are to yeah. you, the more you're going to have your tribe say, oh, she's speaking my language. Um, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. why do people please... Please, why do people people please? That's a lot of words um, that starts with yeah. me. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a handful of reasons. I think at a very rudimentary level, it's fear. And it's largely the fear of being uncomfortable, just straight up being uncomfortable, that it is oftentimes easier to do all of the, the little euphemisms and sayings like don't rock the boat or don't open a can of worms or you know don't uh, rock the boat like we have 
all these like things that we say, which basically just means shut the fuck up and keep everything to yourself. And (laughs) I think it's a disservice. I think it's also a disservice to women disproportionately that we're kind of taught to be nice. I mean, we've talked all the time now about some men becoming more in their feminine and all of those things. But for the longest time, still, I think it's this idea that you have to be masculine in order to succeed in business um, or you need to be more abrasive or aggressive. So I think that there's this element of just really trying to avoid discomfort. Like we just don't want to feel it. Right. So I'll give you an example. I do some community theater sometimes in my spare time and I was around one of the other castmates. And he was laughing at a meme on his phone that he wanted to show to me. And he's like, oh, my God, Amy, check this out. This is hilarious, right? He's laughing. And it's a meme that was, um, I can't recall it exactly, but I remember that it was very disparaging to uh, a handicapped child, mentally and physically disabled child, which to me does not constitute humor, and I found it wildly offensive. So Uh in that moment, I had the choice, right? This is is not a – religion that my parents grew up in sort of people pleasing situation this is does my silence make me a liar and in that situation yes if I would have been complicit if I would have been like ha 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 and walked away my silence my inability to stand up for my own integrity would have made me a liar that I thought that that was funny through my actions so I said you know what, I actually don't find that funny. I find that pretty offensive, and I would just appreciate if you don't show me that in the future. And I walked away. So I think mm. that in that moment that that person is like, huh, uh, you know, like looking at you like, wait, oh, what? Or they might even get mad at you and lash out. We want to avoid that uncomfortable place. And justly mm-hmm. so. I get it. It's not fun to be uncomfortable, Right. I mean, think of how many yep. of us would have a rockin' bod if working out wasn't uncomfortable. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. But it hurts, and things are sore, and you're out of breath. And it's the same way with our emotional intelligence, right? Like, we're, we don't want to feel shame, embarrassment, uncomfortable, sadness, all of those things. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons is we just don't want to feel that. I think there's also another idea that we've all kind of collectively bought into. So check in if this is you. But it's the the notion that if I give voice to something, if I speak up, then I'm actually being a dick. Like I'm being mean. I'm being a malicious human. I'm ill-intended. Or I'm purposely trying to inflict pain on someone. That's the whole you know, conundrum of knowing you want out of a relationship, right? And, you know, I'm sure people listening have gone through divorces where it's like, you know that by saying that's what you want, there may be somebody else who's feeling something painful. So we take that responsibility and we go, that must be my, that must Uh be something I need to carry and caretake for. Similar to what I was saying about my mother, like I could choose to, cater to her or I could allow her the responsibility to carry her own opinions and know that uh-huh. I'm not my intention is not one of malice mine is not ill-intended it's one of authenticity it's one of uh, kindness and compassion and grace and I do that also by not knocking down her faith and what she believes by extending her the same treatment that I want to be treated with 
So mm-hmm. that's kind of to answer your question. We don't want to be uncomfortable, and we're bought into this fallacy that we're responsible for other people's opinions and feelings. Yeah, well, that's codependency. And it's it's also there's a tendency, and we did we talked about this on Sunday at my workshop, that women often step in to fix men. Like I've got it. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what to do. I'm gonna help you problem solve, which is extremely annoying and emasculating when a man has a problem. Or even women can't stand that either. For the most part, we're not looking to be fixed. But the way to change that is to, first of all, don't do it yourself. Like really, your presence, your presence, your being there, your, your being a support is enough. It's more than enough. And just being that safe container for somebody is huge without opening your mouth and trying to fix it. Because what happens is, and this is a very big problem in dating, especially after 40, that women end up attracting these mama's boys who want who mm-hmm. want to look up to them as their mommy. And then the women are so turned off. And so it's like, you want to change that, you've got to stop showing up as the fixer and as the person That's who right. has to manage the emotions of somebody else. So it, it it's something that is... In, it goes into every area of your life, and it, it affects every single aspect of your life. If you're if you're managing your clients in a way that is over managing, which I know so many people do, and and then they get resentful. So it's it's such a huge thing to really get authentic, to really get clear. What is my what's my intention, and am I? I loved what you said before. Um, I'm gonna try to find it. Does my silence make me a liar? Um, yeah. I love that. Because yeah. often we think well, we just don't want to speak up. We don't want to wreck the boat. But it is saying just be quiet, shut up. Like don't have because it's it's viewed as conflict, and it's not not necessarily conflict. Right. Um, we, right. we make it conflict, or we make it non-conflict. You know. And I had somebody yeah. ask me to to pick my brain over the weekend. Um, somebody who I don't even know well who wanted to quote pick my brain about my business. <laughs> and I had to think of a very boundary kind way to tell him to go screw himself. And, um, <laughs> you know, so basically I said, um, I appreciate you, that you want to take me out to dinner and that you, you know, that you're I'm very flattered that you, you know, you admire how I do business. Um, and um, what you're asking for sounds like a business consultation. And that's a paid, you know, a paid business consultation. And I actually don't have any time in my calendar for that right now. So thank you so much, and best of luck. Yes. Goodbye. Perfect. I don't really care how. Beautiful. Yeah, I said it. Right. I mean, in the past, I would let people pick my brain, and then I would get pissed off at them. So right. we create a reality here. Like, don't let people pick your brain, and you don't have to say, well, screw you. You can say it in a kind way. Um, yes. So, oh, my gosh, um, yeah. Yeah, so if you can share one nugget, like if somebody's asking for a favor and you want to you wanna say no, um, can you yeah. share like how you would handle that? Ooh, yes. So my number one tip, especially if you're a chronic yes man, yes woman, or if you're what in California we would say the totally girl. Oh, totally, <laughs> I'll totally come here. <laughs> I'll totally come here up to you. Um, if that is you and it's almost the knee-jerk reaction to acquiesce, my biggest tip is find a phrase to buy yourself some time. So 
start with something like, how soon do you need an answer? Or, you know what, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Or I need to look at my calendar. I'm not sure what I have going on. Or you can start with gratitude. Like, thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, or I so appreciate you reaching out. Let me see what my schedule looks like. All right? So that's one element. But I want to, you guys out there, if you tend to be on the edge of where you go, oh, you know what? I have a Beyonce concert that weekend. <laughs> you know? And you're just lying. Because uh-huh. you know you're just going to binge out on Netflix all weekend. So, doesn't matter if you're washing your hair. doesn't matter what the hell you're doing. You have plans, and you don't want to go do this thing or whatever it happens to be. And I start by telling people, you know what, I'm going to actually have to decline, or I'm not able to make it, or I'm not able to, you know, come through. So hope that you can understand. I truly hope you can understand. Thank you again for thinking of me. But what I do not do is I do not lie and make up some excuse about something that's not true. So that's your another challenge. Challenge yourself to not lie. And the other uh-huh. is don't over-explain yourself. They don't need to know yeah. what your plans are. They don't need to know. You don't need to justify that you're not available. And the reason why these little elements are important is because they send a message to your subconscious that what you want and what you need and your opinion matters that it doesn't need a big explanation. And it can if it's like your best friend or something like that. But just know, like, that's up to you. You don't owe anyone anything, especially if they're asking for something from you, right? Like, they're responsible to fill that need. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and the explaining, I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, these are great Great tips. I mean, just buying yourself time because that auto yes that comes out, it's like, oops, I just said yes to something I didn't want to say yes to. So giving yourself the time by having these handy, we call them boundaries in your back pocket, um, it's there. You can pull that out at a second's notice because you're used to saying these phrases, so I love that. And declining with grace. You don't have to explain. I mean, I just declined something by email, and I just said thank you so much for thinking of me, and maybe next year think of me again. Um, Best of luck with what you're doing. That's all you need. You know, like, really, we don't have to say why. I've been pondering this all weekend, and, you know, it's not working with my subconscious. And Um, Women women tend to say I'm sorry way too much. so, yeah, the more you stand in your dignity and you stand in your truth, the better your life becomes, the more joyous you become. You become a joy junkie, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, so let's let's stop people-pleasing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, really, it just let's cure ourselves from this need to please and please you instead of others first. Um, it's it's a joy to be around people who know and love themselves. It really is. And to remember that. And mm-hmm. just one other thing I want to say is that often the reason we are so averse to speaking our truth is because we've spoken it to the wrong people who have shut us down and also in the wrong way. So remember that either you've chosen the wrong people in your life or you haven't had the right words to say it and you can you can work on both of those and and have a much better life. So 
Um, so thank you, yeah. Amy, for coming on my show today. This was a delight, and I know that you mm. have a free gift to give our audience. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can kind of find everything that I'm up to over at thejoyjunkie.com, and junkie is J-U-N-K-I-E. And right there on the front page, you'll see an offer for an e-workbook, an audiobook that I have that are more of these sorts of concepts of nine different specific challenges that you can do, actually get into action around in order to cultivate more self-confidence, more self-love. And you'll see it right there when you first go to the page. Um, I, too, have been podcasting for over five years, so I thought, oh, you guys can come and listen to but that's kind of the hub of everything that I do, um, and I would just be honored if, if people want to come over and hang out. Awesome. Well, check out her podcast because it's awesome. It's really great. I, I love it, and I think you will too. Oh. Um, so thank you, Amy, for doing this amazing, powerful work in the world, and um, mm. best of luck to you and continue empowering people. Oh, thank you. You as well. It's been such a blast. Thanks again. Thank you. You too. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for listening today, and I hope you all go on your last date very soon. And if you love this podcast, please do us a favor and go over to iTunes or wherever you listen. We're we're everywhere. And rate and review us because it helps more people find us, and uh, that would make me so happy. So have a fabulous day, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.